0: Well, wow, who, who would think August 2nd, you know, we're like in the total dead of summer in the middle of COVID. We're just going to meander up to church to get through a service. And you, you just walk through the best worship service of your life. Man, wasn't that... Wasn't that awesome? What a great morning it it has been. The last hour, nine o'clock, now now this hour. Man, I just can't help but think, with everything going on in America right now, if we could just get them all in here just to watch this for a few minutes, right? I mean, did you see the Lord this morning? Did you know God's presence? I mean, surely it would make some kind of difference if we could get everybody in here. You know, I was actually thinking along that line this week. I was thinking, you know, Lord, what can we do to get everybody's attention? Everybody focused on you? And the thought came to my mind, you know, what if the Lord were to like say part Lake Superior? Just just part it and have a couple churches walk through, you know? I mean, surely that that would help. I mean, I mean, you ever think, "Hey, Lord, why don't you do some of those real big miracles like you used to do that the whole nation saw, that the whole nation got to to be a part of?" That that would have to make some kind of difference, wouldn't it? And hey, I, let me be clear. I mean, we just sang about it. I still believe God is in the miracle business. I, I believe he has protected and provided supernaturally for Christian missionaries, Christian prisoners. And, of course, a lot of us have maybe even seen or experienced a healing in health. But I'm not, I'm not talking about these kind of what I would almost call like private miracles. I'm talking about miracles that everybody sees. Like if he were to part Lake Superior and have some churches walk through it. And CNN happen. To be there filming. Or maybe fire fell from heaven and Fox News was there and caught it all on on camera. That would have to make some kind of difference, wouldn't it? I mean, wouldn't that just kind of focus everybody's attention on the Lord and, and give faith? Hey, it might help some of us, right? And yet actually I think we could say from history that it probably wouldn't make the difference we think it would. It didn't back then. So there's no reason to think it would now. I mean, let's think of the parting of the Red Sea. Those Israelites that walked through that sea, walls of water on each side, and remember a whole bunch of other miracles right behind them. When they got to the other side of the Red Sea, it didn't take them two months. Not two years. It didn't even take them two months before they built a golden calf and worshipped it as God. Or maybe on an individual level. I mean... Stop and think about Judas. He watched Jesus raise people from the dead. He watched Jesus walk on water. He he saw Jesus feed a multitude of people from a little boy's sack lunch. Did it change him? No. And and believe it or not, why we today might wonder, "Hey God, why don't you do some of those big miracles from the Bible today?" He is. He is going to do some of those big, those big miracles, right? What we think back in the Old Testament. He is going to do those again in this world to prove that proof isn't our problem. Would you turn with me today and look at Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. It's good to have you joining us out there at our Midlothian campus and our online campus. Great to have you with us. If anybody's joining us for the first time, uh, we are in Revelation, uh, working our way through it. The operative word there is working Today is message number 13 of 24. We've, we've turned the corner. We're heading home, kind of, uh, in, in that we're over halfway. And today that has us in Revelation chapter 11. Let me begin reading in verse 1. Then I was given a measuring stick, and I was told, Go and measure the temple of God and the altar, and count the number of worshipers. But do not measure the outer courtyard, for it has been turned over to the nations." They will trample the holy city for forty-two months, and that is three and a half years. And I will give you power to, and I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will be clothed in burlap and will prophesy during those twelve hundred and sixty days, which is also three and a half years. <laughs> yeah, these two prophets are the two olive trees and the two lampstands. That stand before the Lord of all the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire flashes from their mouths and consumes their enemies. This is how anyone who tries to harm them must die. They have power to shut the sky so that no rain will fall for as long as they prophesy. And they have the power to turn the rivers and oceans into blood. And to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they wish. now let me pause right there. Remember, a number of weeks ago, we were outside and, and we were preaching, looking through, studying all of the judgments. Remember, there was seven seal judgments, and the seventh seal was seven more judgments, the trumpet judgments. And we get to the seventh trumpet, and that's seven more judgments, the bowl judgments. And you remember how those judgments devastate the planet. These two guys have nothing to do with that. They're, they're a whole nother level of judgment all unto themselves. Can you imagine all of this going on? All of those judgments are happening and now you've got these two guys. They're not a part of a seal or a, a trumpet or a bowl. They are a judgment all unto themselves. Verse 7, when they complete their testimony, the beast that comes up, out of the bottomless pit will declare war against them and he will conquer them and kill them and their bodies will lie in the main street of jerusalem the city that is figuratively called sodom and egypt the city where their lord was crucified and for three and a half days all peoples tribes languages and nations will stare at their bodies no one will be allowed to bury them All the people who belong to this world will gloat over them and give presents to each other to celebrate the death of the two prophets who had tormented them. But after three and a half days, God breathed life into them, and they stood up. Now, don't you imagine that was a moment. You know, folks, stop and think about what's happening here. Nobody actually saw Jesus rise up out of that tomb. Now, there was witnesses to him being alive after the fact. And then there was 12 that actually saw him ascend into heaven. But now God's going to let the whole world see how he can raise a life and how they ascend up into heaven. Verse 12, then a loud voice from heaven called to the two prophets, come up here. And they rose to heaven in a cloud as their enemies watched. At the same time, there was a terrible earthquake that destroyed a tenth of the city. 7,000 people died in that earthquake and everyone else was terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second terror is past. But look, the third terror is coming quickly kind uh, of we 've got in that last line a little time stamp here you know what we 've said sometimes we get frustrated or confused in revelation because we never can figure out where we are. We're moving chronologically when we're going through judgments, but then we'll stop in the middle of some of these judgments and we'll get supplemental information. And sometimes the supplemental information goes backwards. And so it's it's we're kind of moving and then we're stopped and we're going backwards and we're going forwards and then we're moving again. Well, now we're here in the middle of some supplemental information and it tells us right where we are. The second woe has just passed. Now, after the first four trumpets... There was a pause and an angel yelled out, Okay, these first four trumpets has happened. Woe to the earth for the next three. And so the next three trumpets were also called woes. So when it says the second woe has passed, it's referring to the sixth trumpet. So, so where are we? We're, we're getting deeper, deep into. The tribulation. I don't know an exact point in the in the uh, seven years, but I know the seventh trumpet is about to blow, and that brings the seven bowls, and they really are quite near the end—maybe days, even weeks. So we're we're definitely moving to the end now. These guys' ministry lasts forty-two months, twelve hundred and sixty days, three and a half years. Well, when you're in Revelation and you hear three and a half, that's a big number in Revelation. And you tend to think, okay, are we in the first half of the tribulation or are we in the second half? Because a lot of stuff in Revelation is defined, described that way. It's the first three and a half years or the second three and a half years. So when we see this, these guys' ministry is three and a half years, well, right away, well, which three and a half, are they in the front half or are they in the back half? And the answer is no. They're not in the front half or the back half. They're probably tucked in the middle there like like years f- four or five and and six i mean we see them we know they're coming up on this sixth trumpet so they're probably more in the ladder if god doesn't give us an answer just be cool with it okay now i'll tell you who these two guys are not their names <laughs> i'm gonna tell you what i believe is happening here these are two guys that were not christians when the rapture happened and sometimes shortly following that They became Christians. And you say, man, what what must they have been like to get this assignment? You know, I can go from Genesis to Revelation and I can show you there didn't need to be one thing about them that was special. That's just what God does. He just reaches down and he picks somebody It's about his wisdom, it's about his power, it's about his grace, it's about his kindness. It's not something that person that has done. As a matter of fact, think about all of our Bible characters. (laughs) Usually in the story you see what failures they are. No, there's nothing unique or special about these two guys other than that God tapped them and said, I'm going to do this through you. And he specially anointed and empowered them for this ministry. And I think maybe the bigger thing we need to be seeing and working on here, other than what is their name, is what are they doing? Well, they're, they're being a witness. They're being a witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they're doing it in the most antagonistic moment in human history. You know, I'm, I'm guessing some of us have tried to be a witness for Christ, tried to share the gospel. Maybe we've done that in some difficult moments, maybe even some places where it cost us, but nobody will ever witness like these two guys do. Nobody will feel the pressure that that these two guys feel And they, as they be a witness. And these, this symbol here, actually, the, the lampstands and the olive trees, takes us back to Zechariah chapter 4. What is a lampstand? It gives off light, right? These guys give off the light of the gospel. Do you know how a lampstand was fueled? We use wax. But, but in this time, matter of fact, all of the Bible time, a lampstand was fueled by olive oil. Well, throughout, throughout the scriptures, Genesis to Revelation, we, you, you might remember story, people get anointed, they get anointed with olive oil. And that olive oil was always representative of the Holy Spirit. So how do we give off the light? How did these two guys, what empowered them? What enabled them to give off the light was the anointing and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Being a witness is not a human ability. It is a spirit ability, and it is ability that the Spirit not only gives these two, but gives every single one of us here in the room, watching online, every one of us look at acts chapter one verse eight i think this is a, a somewhat familiar verse you will receive power look at that word just like the two witnesses here you will receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you when does the holy spirit come upon you the moment you are saved the moment you are saved you have this power to do what to be a witness to be a witness. Man, you know, I bet most of us in here at one time or another have prayed for power. Maybe we use the word strength. God, would you give me power? Would you give me strength in this moment? And and maybe we were praying for health. Maybe we were praying for dealing with an enemy or dealing with a difficult situation at work. And boy, we just needed God to give us strength and to give us power. Do we ever pray for the power that he actually gave us already? The power to be that witness. Now, you and I have the same power. I'm guessing we won't get to use that power to call down fire or to keep it from rain. I don't know about you. God, I'd like to try. Give me a shot. Maybe the power to call down fire just for a week. Just for a week. See what I do with it. If you're not happy, you can take it back. You know, yeah, we probably are not going to get the power to call down fire or to stop the rain. But again, folks, while you and I tend to think, boy, if God was doing big miracles, that would sure change people's mind. Actually, the power to call down fire doesn't change people. What changes an individual, a family, a community, what changes a nation, a world, is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So these guys will do that for a set number of days. Think about that. These guys might, might, I mean, they may be sitting in this room. Which, if they are, that means you're not saved because you're going to be left behind. But th- these guys may not even be alive yet. They may be alive, but it's already been determined the exact number of days of their ministry 1,260 days. And when God said, Okay, we're done then God's going to let his enemies, the enemies of these two guys, overwhelm them. The enemies haven't been able to touch them, but on day 1260, they can. And and Satan will come against them. He'll wage that battle through the Antichrist, and they will kill the two witnesses. And it will be absolute worldwide celebration. Now, stop and think about how logical and reasonable this celebration is. I mean, you and I look at this celebration, oh, that's just horrible. But stop and think about it, folks. We're somewhere now, three, four, five years into total world devastation. I would dare say not a person has laughed or celebrated anything for a solid three or four years. Everywhere you look, there is death and destruction. And these two guys are kind of representative of all of that. I mean there's the part they actually that came from their mouth, but but there's all this other stuff that maybe they didn't even have anything to do with other than that they're serving the God who did. But they still they kind of become the figureheads of every bit of the devastation in the world. So you can only imagine when they're killed it, We did it. We did it. We were you know th- I bet everything gets better now. I, I I bet this finally stops. We we we've killed We've killed God, and what what He's doing here. So yes, they're going to be celebrating. The Antichrist quickly realizes this is a big moment, and says, "Leave them in the street. Don't bury them. We're, we're going to let the world celebrate over their rotting bodies, and they'll they'll lay there in that street." Now, folks, as people are celebrating, giving gifts, it's going to be bigger than Christmas when these two guys are killed. As they're giving gifts, remember everybody dancing. Everybody going out and buying a gift and giving a gift has watched miracles take place from these two guys. Did it change anybody? Did Did it give them proof? Folks, we don't reject God because there's a lack of proof. We reject God because we love our sin. We don't kill messengers because their message is invalid. We kill the messengers because their message makes us feel guilty. And so there's a celebration when these two guys are laying their dead. Now, can you imagine? I mean, the whole world's going to be taking this in. John had to be thinking, how? How how does that happen? There's no imagination for us. Folks, if this is this big of a moment, wouldn't you imagine every news agency is going to be there? Every news agency is gonna have a camera, is gonna have a reporter, and I'm gonna be out there, the dancing, I mean, it's gonna be like Mardi Gras, some kind of celebration, just craziness in the streets, and we're gonna be out there interviewing, and, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick this stranger, and I'm gonna interview him, I'm gonna tell my cameraman, now make sure you get the dead bodies in the background. Can you see them? Okay, you can see, okay. Hey, how, what do you think this means to the world? And this is gonna be all going on when they stand up. Okay, that's gonna freak some people out they stand up and then the whole world hears come up here and they rise up into heaven with a watching world and then it says they were scared yeah I guess that would do it I guess that's pretty much going to do it they were afraid and it says and they gave glory to God That's, that's interesting they gave glory to God. You know, when you and I think of giving glory to God, we think of kind of what we've been here doing this morning, right? Man, we're going to come in here and we're going to sing and we're going to praise. And, you know, maybe in our heart we're giving God thanks for things and we're acknowledging his, his goodness and his blessing in our lives. That's what we think of when giving glory to God. All it means here is they acknowledge God's existence. And they acknowledged that it was his power that was doing all of this. It was his power that raised these two guys up into heaven. But they didn't repent. They didn't turn from their sins and turn to faith in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and eternal life. We don't need miracles. I know that sounds odd to say, miracles is not the great need. Of our lives faith for today faith for eternity faith in christ that is the great need now we could we can wrap up that's that's pretty much what i have to to say you know it's what what is supplemental information just giving us ideas of what is going on during all this time and the some of the ways this is going to happen but but what am i supposed to do with this other than say wow that's really cool I I didn't know God was going to be doing these kinds of big miracles again one one day. What am I supposed to do with this? And, And you know, folks, as I read this story, right here in the middle of Revelation, right in the middle of all this that's going on, the activity that is driving everything is the activity of witnessing. And it really is supposed to be the activity that is driving our lives. So there's lots of things that we do in our lives, but the really only reason we've been left here, the really only reason we don't just go on into heaven and, and really glorify God perfectly there forever and ever and ever, we've been left here to be a witness. And, and you know, a lot of us, man, we really, really want to see Jesus come back. Re- really, want, when, when does all this happen? Man, this makes me excited. I want, I want to see these things happen. Well, Jesus times puts ties this to the timing Of witnessing. He says in in Mark chapter 13. Now in Mark chapter 13. Jesus is talking about the end. As a matter of fact. Mark 13 is a long chapter. You could also call it the cliff notes to Revelation. Because it's a one chapter. real shortened version of the whole book of Revelation. In Mark 13. And in the middle of that verse 9. Jesus says this. When these things begin to happen. Watch out. You'll be handed over to the local councils. And you'll be beaten In the synagogues, you will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity. Uh, say, say, Say what? I mean, you know, when I'm being beaten, that's not usually what I'm thinking, boy, this is a great opportunity. How about you? When you're getting beaten up, when you're going through a hard time, when it really hurts, when everything's kind of falling apart, are you thinking, Hey, this is my great opportunity. You say, great opportunity to do what? Well, Jesus said, this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. Do you look at the hardest places in your life as an opportunity to tell the people around you, to tell the people that are witnessing the difficulties that you're going through? Do you see, hey, I'm kind of glad I'm here. I mean, it hurts a little bit, but this is an opportunity to tell people about Jesus. For the good news must first, first, before all this is going to happen, the good news must be first preached to all nations. Remember, we talked a couple Sundays ago about that word nations. The word there is not a word that would include a flag and a geopolitical border. It's the word ethnos, ethnicity. The gospel's got to go to all the people groups. That's why we do what we do here at the Heights. When we give to missions, pray for missions and go, go, go. Send people all over our community to people groups, all over our world to people groups. This verse right here, that's why we do that. But when you are arrested and stand trial, don't worry in advance about what to say. <laughs> don't worry. Oh, Lord, I'm a little worried. No, 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 don't, 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 don't worry. Just say what God tells you at that time. For it is not you who will be speaking, but the Holy Spirit. It's amazing, folks. Other than the fire and the rain, little blood in the water. Other than that, really, we're supposed to be the exact same thing as these two witnesses. It can be difficult. It can be uncomfortable. And according to Jesus, there absolutely will be times when it is quite costly to be a witness for me. Don't worry. Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. <laughs> no, honestly, I was like, Jesus, I was hoping for a little more than that. No, no, no. This is the op- There's only one thing. When it's all said and done, when the lights go out, one thing. Do they have the gospel? Folks, our world today does not need miracles. It needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. And do you know there are people out there that the only person they have in their life to give them the gospel is you? Let's pray. And Father, may we be faithful. I pray we would look at every person in our lives, every situation that we're going through is an opportunity to simply tell somebody who Jesus is, what he means to us, perhaps even the elements of the gospel so they could know Jesus and be saved. Lord, I pray the Heights Baptist is filled with an army of witnesses. Lord, I pray every church. Every church in America. Every church right now. Oh Lord, how the enemy has diverted us to so many other things we're focused on right now. So many other arguments to be made. When I think, Jesus, what you said is, hey, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for the gospel. May we be a people filled and directed and empowered in every conversation by the Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.